Today's episode of A New Beginning is brought to you by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Learn more at harvest.org. And while you're there, browse our library of free ebooks designed to help you grow in your faith. Let Jesus be a part of everything that you do. Our relationship with the Lord isn't something we switch on Sunday morning and switch off Sunday afternoon. Pastor Greg Laurie says it should permeate our lives. Put on Jesus. Make Him a part of every decision. Make Him a part of every area of your life. Not just Sunday, Jesus, but Monday, Jesus, Tuesday, Jesus, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Jesus, too. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Many people have colorful stories about their first car, dependably undependable. Some had to hold the shift lever just so to start it, or pop the hood and tap on the battery, or make sure they parked on a hill so they could get a rolling start the next day. How much can God depend on us? Are we instant in season or stuck in park? Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie invites us to fully commit ourselves to the Lord and to the work that He wants us to do. Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 13. Today the title of my message is Wake Up, Suit Up, Lighten Up. Wake Up, Suit Up, and Lighten Up. Romans 13. And I'm going to read verses 11 to 14. Do this knowing the time. It is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Well, there's a lot there in those verses, I'll tell you. So if you're taking notes, here's point number one, wake up. Point number one is wake up. And I want you to notice what he says in verse 11. Knowing the time. I believe Paul is alluding to the fact that Christ could come in our lifetime. But then there's another thing I would add. Be aware of the fact that you don't know how long you're going to live. Live every day as though it could be your last day because one day it will be. And I don't mean that in a morbid way. But back in ancient days, They had a phrase they would write over financial documents in particular and the phrase was memento mori. What does that mean? It means think of death. And the reason they'd put it on a financial document is because it would just be a grounding thing to be reminded of. Oh, look how much money I have in savings. Look at how much money I have invested. Hey, buddy, memento mori. Think of death. You're gonna leave it all behind you one day. So keep perspective and and make each day count. That is why the scripture says, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may apply my heart to wisdom. 
So make each day significant. Make each day important. Make each day count. So we need to wake up. That's point number one. Number two, we need to suit up. Suit up. Look at verse 12. Let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We all know that we're in a spiritual battle. Some of you have gotten beaten up a little bit this week. Some of you have gained some ground and some others maybe lost a little ground. But that's why the Bible says put on the whole armor of God. Put on the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The shield of faith. The sword of the Spirit. Which is the Word of God. Point number one, wake up. Point number two, suit up. Point number three, sober up. Sober up. Verse 13 says, don't live in revelry and drunkenness. The Christian should not be under the control of the spirits. The Christian should be under the control of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we need to wake up. We need to suit up. We need to sober up. Number four, we need to clean up. We need to clean up. Look at verse 13. Don't live in lewdness and lust. This is a description of a person who's living immorally but is incapable of feeling shame. It's shameless excess and the complete absence of restraint. That's why Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful passions, but follow after righteousness, peace, and joy, along with those that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. By the way, that's not just directed to young people. Paul says flee youthful passions. Yes, it applies to a young person with raging hormones, but it also applies to a dirty old man <laughs> or a cougar. Right? A person who hasn't grown up. A person who's acting irresponsibly. Ladies, when you're in your 60s, you can no longer shop at Forever 21. Just stop. <laughs> grow up. That's why my point is we need to grow up. That's point number five. Grow up. Verse 13, don't live in strife and envy. Here's an interesting thing. Some might be listening to this message and saying, well, you know what? I'm doing pretty well because I'm not living immorally and, and, and I'm not drinking and I'm not doing any of that stuff. Okay, but look at this verse. Don't live in strife or envy. Why do we need to grow up? Because, you know, little kids, they're always in conflict. And in their minds, everything has to be even, Stephen. And if you give a gift to one, they expect you to give it to the others. They'll say, that's not fair. Why does he get to do this? Why don't I get to do that? And this word that Paul uses here for strife refers to a persistent contention, bickering, petty disagreement in enmity. It reflects a spirit of antagonistic competitiveness that fights to have its own way. It's really the desire to prevail over other people. This is the person that always wants to be number one. They have to be the top dog. You tell a story, they'll tell a better story. You talk about an accomplishment, they have a better accomplishment. At least in their mind, they do. They want to be the star. They want to be the center of attention. If you even play a board game with them and they don't win, they get visibly upset about it. This is the person he's talking about. Don't be like that person, nor be living in envy. 
This phrase describes someone who can't stand being surpassed and begrudges another's success and position. You know, you can be pretty content with the way things are going. Maybe you're standing out in front of your house saying, you know, my house looks pretty good. Yard looks good. Paint's holding up. Everything's just fine. I, I really like this house. Thank you, Lord, for this house. And then your neighbor comes up and says, hey, how you doing, neighbor? You say, I'm good. How are you? Yeah. Neighbor says, we're doing a room addition, and I need all of my neighbors to sign off, so I want to show you the plans. So they roll out the plans. You're going, oh. And they, okay, okay, I'll sign them. Yeah, but inside now you're saying, why can't I do a room addition? Why do they get to do it? and not me. See, we need to grow up from things like that. Envy. I heard about a crab fisherman who would carry his crabs around in an open bucket. Someone said to him, why do you keep your crabs in an open bucket? Don't you know that they can just climb out? He says, oh no. The moment one of those crabs starts to climb out, the other crabs reach up and pull them back down again. Oh, isn't that like life? Maybe you had a dream when you were a young person. He said, I don't want to live this life. I don't want to live the life of my parents. I don't want to live this way all these people around me live. I have a dream where I'm going to break out and do something different. Others will say, you can't have that dream. You can't do that thing. You're going to be just like the rest of us. You're going to stay right here. I watched a movie on TV the other day actually with my grandkids. It was a story of Dolly Parton. It was called The Coat of Many Colors. It was on network television. I thought it was really good. Had a lot of her gospel roots in it. And uh, little Dolly was just so full of personality. The actress that played her was fantastic. And, and so they were a very, very poor family. Lots of children. And uh, she had this dream that she was going to be a singer one day. And the other kids didn't like her attitude and the fact that she had all this confidence and so forth. And um, so her mother, because they were so poor, made her a special coat to wear. She took rags together, different colors, different patterns, sewed them together in a coat. And Dolly said, it was my coat of many colors. Well, that reminds us of a Bible story, right? Joseph also had a coat that was called a coat of many colors. Well, he wasn't treated real well, and nor was Dolly. She was uh, really mistreated by her friends. And, but ultimately she, she did realize that dream and, and she became a very successful singer-songwriter. She even has her own amusement park called Dollywood. But my point is simply this. God may give you a dream and other people want to pull you down. Oh no, you can't do that. You'll never accomplish that. You'll always be like the rest of us. I reject that. God can change your history and he can put that dream and vision in your heart. Chase it. Chase after that dream. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. Hey everybody, Greg Laurie here, and I want to personally invite you to the Harvest Ministries Israel Tour. April 9 to 19, 2024. Listen, this is your chance to walk in the steps of Jesus literally in what we call the Holy Land. Learn more at israel.harvest.org. Shalom. Well, Pastor Greg's study today is titled, Wake Up, Suit Up, Lighten Up. Let's continue now in Romans chapter 13. Number six, focus your energies on becoming more like Jesus. 
Focus your energies on becoming more like Jesus. Look at verse 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Now, what does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, does not Christ live in the heart of every Christian? The answer is yes. How do I put him on? Well, this is a, a picture that Paul is using of putting clothes on. You know, you put your clothes on each and every day. For some people, it's an outfit. Everything's an outfit. They think it all through. Okay, I've got my shoes that match my purse. And I'm talking about the guys. Okay, I haven't even, it's not even started with the girls. No, but you got your outfit. I have a friend that even on Saturdays, you know, he would show up and it was like, he was always wearing an outfit. I said, don't you ever just like put on whatever's laying around? Everything's an outfit with you. But then there's a person, maybe they're a little more bohemian. Well, you know, I don't care about that. I'm not really into fashion, but I notice that their jeans are ripped in all the right places, you know. <laughs> and the shirt that you don't care about is just done in a certain way and you're messed up here. It's just messed up in the right way. So in reality, you may think about it more than the person who's putting the outfit together. And actually, it's okay to think about what you wear. But the picture that Paul is giving us here is... Your clothes should conform to you. You should not conform to your clothes. And so what he's really saying is, let Jesus be a part of everything that you do. Put on Jesus. Make him a part of every decision. Make him a part of every area of your life. Not just Sunday, Jesus, but Monday, Jesus, Tuesday, Jesus, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Jesus, too. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus should be Lord at church. Jesus should be Lord at the beach. He should be Lord when we go to the movies. He should be Lord over what you watch on television and what you take in through social media. He should be Lord when you go out to dinner and when you go to work. He should be Lord of all because if He is not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, here's another translation that I like. Let us be Christ's men from head to foot and give no chances for the flesh to have its fling. That's an excellent paraphrase. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be Christ's men, be Christ's women from head to foot and give no chance for the flesh to have its fling. One last point. We need to lighten up. We need to lighten up. In Romans 14, Paul's dealing with some cultural issues within the church. His uh, focus was on diet and days. Many Gentiles had come to Christ and they were not recognizing the Jewish holy days like Sabbath and others. And the Jewish believers were upset that the Gentile, non-Jewish believers, weren't giving respect to all these cultures and customs of the Jews. Meanwhile, the Jews would go and eat the meat that was offered to idols that the Gentiles refused to eat because the Gentiles coming out of a pagan culture did not want to eat the meat that was offered in the various temples to the false gods. So that offended them. It offended their sensibilities. But the Jewish believers are like, this is stupid. These idols aren't even real. And it's a good deal. We're buying the meat. So this was a cultural conflict. Now we look at this through a 21st century lens and it seems ridiculous. But it was a conflict back in these days. Secondary issues were dividing them. And this happens in the church today. People will divide over the most ridiculous things. There's denominational differences, musical differences, 
cultural differences, generational differences. A lot of times we'll divide over things that are not doctrinal. In other words, it's not about theology. It's just about, well, I don't like the way you do it. I want to do it a different way. It's okay to have different ways of expressing ourselves, but let's not divide over these things. I love the words of Augustine. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity or love. We just need to stay in our own lane. Look at Romans 14, verse 10. Why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer and follower of Christ? Because one day we'll all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Paul's saying, who are you to be judging someone else? If more Christians would take the same energy they expend critiquing and judging each other, and instead use it to become more like Jesus and sharing the gospel, this world would be a much better place. So Paul's saying, look, you're gonna stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You're obsessing over other people. They don't do it right. And I don't like this. And I disagree with that. Okay, you know what? They'll stand before God too. But you just need to be accountable for what you're doing. After Peter denied the Lord, he met with Jesus. And uh, Jesus implied to Peter that he was going to die the death of a martyr. And then Jesus said to Peter, follow me. And then Peter saw John who was walking behind him, John the Beloved. And Peter says, what about him? And Jesus says to him, what is that to you? Follow me. I love that. We're that way. What about them? How come they don't? <laughs> hey, what did I say to you? Follow me. This is between you and me, our Lord is saying. You just follow me. You'll give an account of yourself in that final day. What is the judgment seat of Christ? This is a judgment that is not about whether or not you get to heaven, because in fact it takes place in heaven. This is a judgment, or maybe I could call it an award ceremony. Well, rewards are given for faithfulness to Christ. The Bible says there's a reward promised to the person who resists temptation. The Bible says there's a reward promised to the faithful giver. The Bible tells us there's a reward promised to the person who wins others to Christ. This is when these rewards will be meted out, these awards, if you will. And we'll all have to give an account before God of why we did what we did. It will be a judgment of motives. So don't expend so much energy in what others are doing or not doing. Just follow Him. Just do what He has called you to do. Now there's another judgment that's coming, and I'll close with this. This is called the Great White Throne Judgment. This will not be attended by believers. I don't expect to be there. This is a judgment for the people that have rejected God's offer of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And in the book of Revelation, it says that he saw the small and the great standing before God. And the books, plural, were open. And another book, singular, was open, which is the book of life. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. These books are records of everything that you and I have said or done and more. But the book that matters is the book of life. And if your name is not written in it, you have big trouble. And there's nothing you can do to fix this. It's too late. 
And I believe, by the way, when your name is written in the book of life, it will stay written in the book of life. You don't have to worry about that. But let me say in closing, is your name written in the book? I know mine is. Not because of any great thing I've done, but because of the great thing God did in sending His Son Jesus to die in my place and the fact that I put my faith in Christ means my name is written in the book. And if you put your faith in Christ, your name is written in the book as well. But there might be some of you that would say, well, I don't know if my name is in the book. How do I get it there? By admitting you're a sinner, turning from that sin, and asking Christ to come and live in your heart and life. Then you can know with certainty your name is in the book. Memento mori. Think of death. Again, I don't mean this in a morbid way. I mean it in a realistic way. We don't know how long our life will go on. What if this were our last day on planet Earth? All right, then it is. I'll go into God's presence. Paul said, to be with the Lord is far better. But as long as God wants me here, I want to make my life count. And I want to make sure my life is right with God. What if Christ were to come back today, tonight, tomorrow? Oh, they've been saying that for years. Yeah, but one day it's going to be the day. And I hope you're ready. And if you're not sure if Jesus is living inside of you, if you're not certain your name is written in the book, if you don't know with confidence that if Christ were to come back, you would be ready to meet him, why don't you respond to this invitation I'm gonna extend now as we close in prayer. If you need Jesus in your life, if you wanna go to heaven when you die, if you want your name written in God's book of life, Respond to this invitation right now as we all pray. Let's all bow our heads. Father, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and laying your life down in our place. And now we pray for any person here who does not know you, any person watching, wherever they may be, if they don't have this relationship with you, if their name is not written in the book, let this be the day that that happens. We ask that your Holy Spirit will convict them and convince them of their need for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. An important prayer from Pastor Greg Laurie with those who want to make a change in their relationship with God today. And if that's where you're at, if you'd like to make that kind of change, Pastor Greg will come back in just a moment to help you do that before today's edition of A New Beginning concludes. Please stay with us. Well, Pastor Greg, the movie Jesus Revolution is now out on DVD, and I was I was thinking about a conversation you had years ago with Pastor Chuck Smith. Mm-hmm. I believe you asked him uh, about the time of the Jesus movement and whether we could have another time of spiritual awakening, spiritual renewal mm-hmm. as we did in the 60s and 70s. And you remember what his comment was, his answer back to you was? Yes, Dave, I remember it very clearly. I was sitting at lunch with Chuck and I always peppered him with all these questions. And and so he was just finishing his meal. I said, Chuck, I have a question for you. I said, do you think we'll ever see another Jesus revolution? I think I may have said another Jesus movement. And Chuck paused for a moment, and then he looked at me and said, I don't know, Greg, we may not be desperate enough. 
And I, I agreed with that statement. But, you know, fast forward many years and the days in which we're living, what's happening right now in our world around us, all the crazy things that are happening, I think we may finally be desperate enough for a spiritual awakening in America again. We've seen some promising signs, haven't we? Mm. In college campuses like Asbury and other places where we hear of young people praying for hours on end, mm-hmm. day after day, night after night, longing for a relationship with God. You know, it's sort of like when it rains. Sometimes when it rains, it's a drop here, it's a drop there. I'll be out walking with my wife and I'll say, hey, Kathy, it's starting to rain. She'll say, no, it isn't. And I'll say, yes, it is, because bald men always know when it's raining first. (laughs) See, it might rain for five minutes before she knows because her hair is so thick. But I, I feel the first drop. And what I see right now happening in our country are little drops of rain, revival like drops that cause me to wonder, is more coming? So I think we need to pray, Lord, do it again. Mm. One of the reasons we made this film, Jesus Revolution, was to tell a revival story in hopes that it might inspire people to pray for another revival. It's been said the fame of revival spreads the flame of revival. So this film, Jesus Revolution, is a revival story. It's a real story. It's a story of the last great spiritual awakening in America. And we're praying, do it again, Lord. Hmm. So that's why I want to send you your own copy of the Jesus Revolution film on DVD so you can be revived. I've heard so many stories, Dave, of people watching it saying that I was revived in my faith. I recommitted my life to the Lord. Uh, One very well-known pastor called me, said, I didn't want to text you. I wanted to say this to you in person. He says, I wept through this film. And and it made me want to get a paperback copy of the Bible in my hands again and read it like I was reading it for the first time. I thought Mm, that was so well said. And I've just heard this over and over again from leaders and pastors and folks that have just gone and seen this film. It's revived them. It reminds Mm. them of maybe what their relationship with God used to be like. I pray this film will revive you as well. So order your own copy of the Jesus Revolution film. We have it for you on DVD, along with some special bonus content, including a presentation of the gospel I did, complete with a prayer for a person to pray and accept Christ into their life. And I want to send you this DVD for your gift of any size. Whatever you send, we'll send you this movie. But I am going to ask you to be generous because we have had to pay more for this resource than we normally have to pay. So, Help us continue to get the Word of God out more, and we pray this film will inspire others to have personal revival. Amen. So get in touch today for your DVD of Jesus Revolution, and we'll also include a free streaming code. And we so much appreciate your partnership that allows us to bring you these daily studies from Pastor Greg here on A New Beginning. Call us today at 1-800-821-3300. Call anytime, 1-800-821-3300, or write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514, or go online to harvest.org. Well, Pastor Greg, a few moments ago, you spoke of the need to get our hearts right with God. Yeah. Could you help someone who wants to do that right now? Yes, I'd be delighted to. Listen, as you've listened to this program today, 
Maybe something's been happening inside of your heart where you're sensing, I need to do this personally, but how do I do it and what do I do? Let me help you. It's very simple. In fact, it's so simple you may be shocked. God, this relationship with him is just a prayer away. The Bible says, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. So I'd like to lead you in a prayer where you do just that. You call on the name of the Lord. This can be the moment where you change your eternal address, literally from hell to heaven. Just pray these words, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead. Jesus, I choose to follow you from this moment forward. In your name I pray. Amen. I know. It's such a simple, short prayer. But you just called on the name of the Lord. And you know what? He heard that prayer. And if you meant that prayer in your heart, he answered that prayer. Now let me help you to get started on the right foot in your new life in Jesus Christ. The greatest adventure awaits you the life of walking with God. I want to send you what we call a New Believer's Growth Pack that includes the New Believer's Bible and a whole lot more. And let me be the first to say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. And to get that free New Believer's Growth Packet, just ask for it if you prayed along with Pastor Greg to receive Christ today. We'll be glad to send one your way. Our phone number is 1-800-821-3300. You can reach us anytime at 1-800-821-3300 or write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514 or just go online to harvest.org and click on Know God. You know, there's nothing like hearing the Word of God and worshiping the Lord together. I want to encourage you to join us for something we call Harvest at Home. It happens every Saturday and Sunday at Harvest.org. You can join Christians from around the world as we worship and we study the Word of God together. So join us for Harvest at Home at Harvest.org. Well, next time, Pastor Greg presents the finale to our studies in the Book of Romans. Great encouragement with a message called Hope is on the Way. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. A New Beginning is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. If this show has impacted your life, share your story, leave a review on your favorite podcast app, and help others find hope.